Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, but now I'm living in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is Bebe. Hi. Hi, Jason. Hi, dear listeners. Yes, this is Bebe from Beijing. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Today, we want to talk about green energy. You know, this is the big thing that Mm -hmm. everyone in every nation, doesn't matter what your political disposition, we all need to work on this together Mm -hmm. so that everyone's lives can be moved forward and our children and grandchildren can live in a nice, lovely world like, you know, most of us have been fortunate enough to live in. Um, I think like five years ago, you know, this topic wasn't really part of, um, you know, everyday conversation Mm. that you would hear about. Mm. And it was uh, barely noticeable from the news there's so many other things happening mm. but in recent years mm. it's definitely it's it's been very prominent like it's come to the front mm-hmm. um of the stage and it's yeah. grabbing our attention um and i think the government especially the central government uh, we can sense how serious it is you know when it comes to dealing with environmental issues and especially um when it comes to n- renewable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. energy so from the top to the bottom, we know mm-hmm. that, oh, got to take this thing seriously now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, I'm from California. So like not everyone in the United States took it very seriously. A lot of people were like, oh, this is not really happening. When I was a kid, but when I, where I'm from, it's like the place in America where they're like, yeah, this is happening. So when I was a kid, mm. we were constantly told that it was going to, you know, by now, probably we would all be dead. So there were a lot of huh? over overly excessive <laughs> because, yeah, global warming, we're all going to be on fire. I think the um, reality is somewhere in between, like, you know, obviously even a few uh, one or two degrees of temperature increases in the world, we're going to be looking at tens of millions of people displaced or like food crops ru- like ruined. Right. And that's going to cause famines and war and all kinds of other knock on really negative effects. So even if it's not like we're all like burning up or whatever Mm. the reality is it's going to have a dramatic impact on everyone because we're going to be more fighting for resources you know we're getting to a point i feel like where we're able as we're smart enough to make enough energy Mm. for everyone so the energy is not a reason to fight so i really hope that we don't have another reason to fight is because like crops are not working or there's tens of millions of displaced you know environmental refugees Mm. so you know obviously Whatever we can take to or move towards green energy is good. Mm-hmm. I, w- I don't want to start off so doomsday. <laughs> so I want to talk about some investments. I found this on um, a website, and I think it's called Visual Capitalist. They have all these really wonderful graphs, mm. and they show that China is invested. This is 2021. This is made this year, 2022, but it's talking about 2021. China is the number one country investing in new green energy. Mm. So it's called Energy Transition Investment, if you want to look it up. Mm-hmm. And China invested $266 billion wow. in various kinds of new gr- green energy. Uh, the U.S., number two, with $114 billion. And the total for the whole world is $561 billion in like transitioning to, I guess, renewable energies. That would be solar and mm-hmm. uh 
wind and I guess water, hydro, that kind of stuff. Mm. So that's that's positive that, you know, we're starting to take really good steps in the right direction. And maybe if we just keep right. stepping in the right direction, uh, we can we can get there. And more people coming, more countries coming uh, together to do this. Mm, mm, mm. Well, I, I suppose with our population here in China, we should do more because we are contributing more um, when it comes to, you know, carbon emission. And especially with the rising living standards, mm-hmm. um, we can't all live like you know most americans how most americans live yeah yeah right it's uh if you've only lived in the states you probably don't realize how much energy and just resources the average american consume Mm -hmm. and if you've been to uh, poorer parts of the world Mm. the comparison can be shocking and (laughs) also because a lot of that is wasted you know, a lot of the power and food and everything, they're just thrown away mm-hmm. or the lights are on throughout the night mm-hmm. because it's cheap. Mm-hmm. And because the, the, the economic theory that the more cons- you consume, right, and the more profits you'll generate. And um, and I think that theory, mm-hmm. I mean, when when it's only in uh, formula, mm-hmm. right, for mm-hmm. in economics, I understand it. But when it's applied in real life, a lot of times it doesn't make sense to me anymore because mm. waste, we don't need to waste. Mm. And if wasting things uh, means certain companies make more money, it mm. still doesn't make it right. Uh, sorry, I'm getting a little excited when it comes to this, but <laughs> you can you can understand why. Have you been you've you been to Tokyo? You've been to Shinjuku in, to, in, in Tokyo? I probably have. I've definitely been to Tokyo. Which part I'm not too sure. They always show in the movies where there's like these several tall buildings that are covered in lights, advertising all these different shops and products everywhere. And they show it in every movie. It's this one area uh, in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. I went there and it's it's so beautiful at night. Mm -hmm. But it's also just like how much energy is going into like putting all these signs up. Do we really need all these signs? Times Square and all that. Yeah, Yeah. Times Square. Yeah, It can't be all like that. Um, But the trend in China right now, I think people realize how how wasteful things can get. And I think because of um, traditions, you know, like especially, let's say, my parents' generation Mm -hmm. and my grandparents' generation, when they look on extravagance, Mm. when they look on wasting of anything, right? Mm -hmm. They don't see it as a sign of progress. Mm. So when one say, oh, you know, I we have so much food now. Life is good. We have so much that we yeah, throw yeah. away half of what uh, we cook. Now, that's not a good news for my grandmother. <laughs> you know, they will never take that as something that's good mm-hmm. uh, for them. Wasting is just it's not necessary. Yeah. Right. Living rising living standards does not mean that you have to throw things away. Yeah. And I think you mentioned Tokyo and I think Japan is um, in many ways is at the forefront of that. Um, It's a it's a developed country, but Mm -hmm. in its Mm -hmm. culture. You can sense how everything uh, is precious to them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially food. Yeah. You know, you think of a developed country and you think that people don't worry about food, right? They just worry about eating something nice, mm-hmm. right? Something tasty and fancy. But in Japan, I have the sense that every grain of rice is precious. And that's how people treat food. So I think that's um, that's part of uh, culture in Japan that we can all learn from. Mm. And China should... Um, I think it's turning in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the past, maybe uh, fancy banquets well, was a way of showing not just wealth, but respect. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if say Jason comes over to dinner, mm-hmm. hey, let's go out. Let's order like, you know, 10 dishes mm. just so he knows that he's a precious guest, that we honor him. <laughs> right. Um, and then, you know, by the end of the dinner, um, some dishes probably have not really been touched. Mm. Now people realize that, hey, that's not necessary. Mm-hmm. Right. We we take Jason out. We'll get a few, two or three dishes that we all enjoy. Mm-hmm. And that's a very good dinner yeah. already. You don't have to waste. So that's a, a change that I'm happy to see, individual level. Really reminds me of something that I don't do, but I want to do. I'm trying to get myself to do something about it. There's a there's a city, I'm sorry, in Europe. I think it's in uh, Sweden, and they have they're really really big about saving things and really big about not using uh, one-time use containers, single-use plastics. Mm. So if you go into any restaurant and you want food to go, they will only let you take mm-hmm. it to go if you have brought your own oh. container in Simple. to take it out. So mm-hmm. McDonald's is actually suing the city what? because they're like, yeah, they want to use these, you know, those wrappers, those wax wrappers that they use. Uh-huh. So they're actually suing the city and saying, this is not fair. How people coming into McDonald's, mm. how can they get their food to go? So if, if they don't have their own containers, so this is really interesting. Mm. I would like to see it where we, you know, it's just a normal thing. Everyone has their own containers. That mm-hmm. would be a really neat thing for everyone to start doing. And it's not as hard mm-hmm. as you think. Yeah. You know, years ago, we wouldn't take our own shopping bags, right, mm-hmm. to uh, the supermarket. And nowadays, most people take their own. And when I, yeah. uh, I haven't gone to the market because <laughs> a lot of times it's not open. Um, by <laughs> and I'm like far away from supermarkets. But if mm-hmm. I do go, I bring my own reusable bags. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. such a simple solution. Right? I bring a backpack. No. And I just like stuff stuff in my backpack. Yeah. Right. So it's not like this is a difficult change that we all have to sacrifice for. And even if we have to carry our own containers, I mean, there are these very light containers that you can just put in your bag. It's really Mm -hmm. no big deal. Mm -hmm. And I also I think this action is not just about taking the leftovers home. It's also about ordering um, properly so Mm -hmm. that you don't have to take things home. Right. Yeah. Right. So you you don't order more than you, you can eat. Then you don't have to trouble about you know taking things home it's a kind of like a mentality yeah you're absolutely right it's a mentality and i think one thing they do in china that i was first i was like wow that's weird when i first moved to china mm-hmm. it took actually two or three years is the shuebe the bottled water container ah. that chinese a lot of almost every chinese person i know yes. carries their own water <laughs> bottle with tea in it or whatever i have my own now Goji too berries. you know and I, <laughs> exactly but i have my own I, I took me a long time to settle on one that i really liked uh-huh. and now i have one i use it everywhere i bring it to work for I use it for water. I, I I brew coffee. I put it in there in the morning. I drink it. Then nice. I, when it's finished, I fill it with water at the water machine, mm-hmm. at work, and then I just carry it all. I carry it home. I carry it everywhere I go. Yeah. <laughs> See if if I have a checklist of uh, how signalized uh, foreigners are. <laughs> here's the box that I can check off. Jason has his own water bottle. <laughs> he even has tea and goji berries inside. <laughs> Ten extra points. Well, I don't use the goji berries. My <laughs> wife loves the goji berries. She she she's like Jason. They will make you younger. Like, oh, <laughs> no, this it, it's a sign of people reconciling with their middle age face. You know, mm. when you see someone start drinking mm. 
uh, goji berry tea. <laughs> it's like they've succumbed. They've surrendered to um, the progress of age, and they are trying to heal themselves from within. <laughs> they, they're trying to draw like magical powers from herbs and plants. Um, to stay younger, so uh, I won't be surprised. Two years later, you know, you'll be sipping your goji berry tea. And <laughs> <laughs> we'll be recording at the same time. I found this really cool website. It's called mm. ourworldindata.org. And it has this uh, per capita CO2 emissions map. And what's oh. really cool about this map is it has a draggable arrow mm -hmm. on the bottom. And you can go back to 1750 and you can pull all the way up to 2020. Mm. And you can look at all of the different nations as they are today um, and how much CO2 emissions are coming out of those per capita. Oh. So that doesn't mean the total emissions of the country, but it how much the average person in each country is mm. contributing to CO2 emissions. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really interesting and telling because if you go back to 1750, it's just England. Mm. And then like by, by 1900, like the United States is clearly the number one contributor mm. to like per capita CO2 emissions. And then by the time you catch up to today, the United States, Mongolia, Saudi Arabia, Oman, Australia, uh, Russia, and much of Europe are still the number one contributor oh. to CO2 emissions per capita. You know, a lot of people mm. point to China and they say, oh, China contributes so much to CO2 emissions. And that's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because In there's aggregate. a billion and a half mm -hmm. people. The United States is 300 million. Mm -hmm. So yes, there are more total emissions coming out of China. But in, in terms of per person, the United States still eclipses China by significant amounts per person. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. And I think people need to keep in mind that like places like China are not really the culprits. It's the, the culprits are these hyper industrialized places where they just mm -hmm. eat fast food and use cars all the time. And like that's a lifestyle that's contributing to so the, the emissions. You know, problem. talking about per capita uh, CO2 emission, I have to pat myself on my back. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty good at this. Mm -hmm. I don't really emit mm -hmm. much, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, mostly because I don't really go anywhere. Uh, especially mm. in the past, over the past three years, you know, I have not traveled internationally mm. and I haven't really gone out of my gated mm. neighborhood that many times. <laughs> so, uh, cause most people, it's, it's not from breathing. You're an ideal world civilian. <laughs> I know. <laughs> citizen, I'm, global citizen. I use some paper and I use some, you know, tissue, <laughs> Kleenex, um, and I drink, I breathe. That's that's pretty much it. So, you know, if more people can live like me, <laughs> stay put. <laughs> well, I feel like this, you know, because I am maybe further towards the emitter category because I like to travel, although I haven't traveled in the last couple of years. Yeah, I do inside the city. I don't have a car. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I like to travel between cities. But what this is how I think about it. I mostly don't use an airplane anymore. I use the high speed rail system mm. in China, which is ubiquitous with any city, basically, you can get there by high speed railed now. Mm -hmm. So my feeling is as long as China is uh, building all of these green facilities for energy production around the, the country, and they are as faster than any country on Earth, mm -hmm. then eventually, if I'm using the high speed rail, which is run by electricity, that'll be paid for by the sun and the wind and stuff. So I feel like <laughs> 
Right. You know, keep going, go China, because then I will feel less guilty. And also <laughs> think about it this way. So this train will go to Shanghai, whether or not you get mm. on. So you might as well get on. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, I, you know, you're making me feel great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, hey, have you heard of this, um, this panda shaped solar plant? Oh my gosh. It was, it's all over Twitter. Y- you know about yeah. this? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, I actually just saw this today. I know, you know, about these wonderful power plants, solar plants. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as I mentioned, like five years ago, mm-hmm. that was not part of our mental picture. Mm. You know, we don't us living in cities we don't think about solar plants Mm. but then in recent years i've seen more pictures and videos about these beautiful they are actually beautiful Mm -hmm. solar plants just whole fields covered with these um Mm. um Mm. plates uh, i don't know that absorbs energy from the sun Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and most of them are in like uh desert areas but they're lined Mm -hmm. up so neatly and they reflect reflect the color of the sky Mm -hmm. so in a way they're they it's like they draw power from the sun and the sky Mm. and somehow it's a very um powerful powerful scene and it's quite beautiful Mm. and also there are these um I later found out there are these floating solar plants. Mm, mm. Have you ever seen pictures of them? No, but I remember in one of our previous uh, episodes, you talked about this. Yeah, it's it's great. Like I um, when I saw pictures of them, I was like, whoa, they are floating on the river. I mean, they're not literally floating, but they're on top of um, these huge bodies of water. Mm. They're quite cool. It's uh, when you you know, when you hear uh, solar plants, eh, sounds boring. But when you check out the pictures, <laughs> it can get interesting, especially um, you know, you can, uh, you guys can find out about panda, China's panda shaped solar plant. Yeah. And I have this article. It's, uh, it's from, I think it's called uh, either just an environment or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyhow, I found this online. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says China's panda shaped solar plant is world's cutest renewable <laughs> energy source. Uh, it's, it's kind of old. It's from like 2017. Mm-hmm. So this plant is part of the panda 100 program. And there's a picture. I'm not too sure if it's like a design picture or it's an actual picture. But in the picture, you actually, this from the bird's view, mm-hmm. you see two pandas sitting like <laughs> on the <laughs> in the field. And mm-hmm. they are actually made of um, uh, solar panels. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, the plant is part of the Panda 100 program, which seeks to build more solar farms over the next five years. And at full capacity, the plants will generate an amount of energy equivalent to reducing 2.74 million tons of carbon wow. dioxide emissions. Well, that sounds like a lot. <laughs> and it's also part of the initiative to get China's youth engaged oh. in learning about renewable energy. Yeah. Right. And hopefully more people, they, I mean, as kids, even, you know, my daughter in school, they learn about, uh, you know, endangered species and global warming and what we can do and the plastic in the, in the ocean and things like that. And they take them much more mm-hmm. seriously mm-hmm. than we do. Right. They, 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 um, they just, they're very sincere. Uh, when they learn about mm. these trouble. So China has taken renewable energy to adorable <laughs> new levels by building the world's first solar power plant shaped like a panda. Mm. And it's actually in uh, Datong, Shanxi mm. province. Now, that's not... Yeah, I didn't know that it was in Datong. I've been to the city. And it's a part of an initiative advocating for renewable energy, of course. Mm-hmm. And also later on, the article goes to the fact that it's, um, it's also planning to uh, build more plants along the Belt and Road. 
countries and areas. Yeah, that's you a are great familiar idea. with that, right? Well, you know, what's really great is every time China develops a technology, like high-speed rail, for example, and it spreads it spread out mm-hmm. all over China, and they're like, oh, we're getting to the point where we don't need to build that much more. China starts building mm-hmm. it in other countries. So like mm-hmm. in uh, Nigeria, for example, there's quite a lot of high-speed rail that China is developing there. Mm-hmm. So what's really cool about China is now the number one producer of solar cells in the world. Mm-hmm. Now that China is starting to fill itself up, it also has the capacity to start helping these other developing nations install the same kind of infrastructure. Right. So in the article, it says Belt and Road refers to the Silk Road Economic Belt mm-hmm. and the 21st Century Maritime Silk Road. Mm-hmm. Now, I think by now people are familiar with this idea mm-hmm. and it covers more than 60 countries and regions. And that was back in 2017. I think there are more participating. I think there are 156 countries. I was just writing about it. By now. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, from, you know, across Asia to Europe. And uh, hopefully, you know, all these new power plants, they won't just be in China. Mm, You know, we are happy to share the technology. Um, And also, these are just good projects, too. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. With I I think the more we have, the the cheaper the prices, right? So it's more affordable. And then it will be more... enticing i guess as investment projects mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so anyhow you know you guys can check out the panda uh platforms and this one uh, the panda covers 248 acres wow. uh, and it has fur made out of black monocrystalline silicon okay. <laughs> and gray and white thin film solar cells so they're using different hmm. varieties of uh solar panels to get different effects on the panda the color yeah so it's not just blue yeah um, and connected to the electrical grid on June 29th. I think that's back in 2017. That was the first panda. Mm-hmm. It generates 50 megawatts. I don't know if that's a lot. But when it reaches full capacity, it will produce as much as 100 megawatt, which can provide 3.2 billion kilowatt hours of energy in 25 years. And uh, this was a release from the Panda Green Energy Group. I think maybe that's the group that will build all these panda uh, solar farms. So you that's know, equivalent to uh, reducing 2.74 million tons of carbon dioxide emissions or saving 1.056 million tons of coal. Now, I can understand that. That's a lot of coal. I think a lot yeah. of us, when we, uh, when I was young, when I was a kid, I imagined, oh, solar panels, that's a great idea. Just cover everything with them. And what's really cool is actually <laughs> Jinan in Shandong, I think it's the capital of Shandong, mm-hmm. they are building a... Solar Expressway, which is 5,875 square meters where cars drive on the solar panels. And so, yeah, so you can literally be driving across the surface. It's It's an expressway for driving on. That also produces electricity. So I think that's just a really cool idea. Will they be charging the cars or? No, I don't think so. No. But, I mean, maybe if you have an EV and you go charge somewhere, some of the, the electricity is coming from the expressway. So in a roundabout kind of way. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. But, you know, I live here in Wuhan and uh, what's close between Wuhan and Chongqing is the Three Gorges Dam. Uh-huh. And the Three Gorges Dam is one of the largest dams in the world. Hmm. And I think it makes the second largest produces the second largest amount of electricity of any dam in the world. Mm. And you know what's really interesting when I was learning about the Three Gorges Dam and the amount of the electricity it produces, some of the electricity because it, it produces so much mm. reaches as far as Shanghai. Oh. And I, I was really surprised by that. Mm. 
So it produces an enormous amount of energy uh, from this one dam. And this dam has this further effect of preventing flooding in Hubei and other places in this area. Right. So it it, it actually saves people's lives mm. in addition and it regulates agriculture and produces electricity that can reach, you know, a thousand, you know, miles away. So projects like that are just amazing. It's, I remember back, I think when I was a kid too, there were uh, a period of time, there were a period of time when there was a lot of talks about the Three Gorges Dam. I mean, it, it was huge, right? It was a huge change mm, mm, to mm. China's um, uh, geography. And it would impact a lot of people because uh, to build those dams, you would to build that dam, you would have to remove a lot of um, the locals right, who lived mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. around the area because uh, they're literally changing uh, the, the yeah, landscape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a huge deal. It was a huge deal. Um, and, um, uh, there are, you know, stories of relocation, but people took it as more of a, they know what they were, uh, sacrificing for because no one really wants to yeah. leave their, uh, the homes that they, you know, they're familiar with, but of course they're mm-hmm, provided mm-hmm, with, mm-hmm. um, actually better living conditions later on. Um, but, uh, mm-hmm, you know, the mm-hmm. impact from changes like these, um, takes time to see. Right. And mm-hmm. now we know that, oh, you know, it generates so much power, uh, enables us to do uh, so many other things. Uh, but back then when it was happening, uh, people couldn't see that far ahead. Um, so I think also with the new plants we're building, I think people have more knowledge now about, you know, what, why we do them and mm-hmm. what kind mm-hmm. of impact they will have. So maybe things will go a little more smoother, um, you know, when it comes to these huge projects, people know why they're doing it. And they've yeah. seen examples of uh, the impact they have. Um, and I also wanted to mention about this uh, floating solar mm-hmm, mm-hmm, power mm-hmm. plant. I forgot what it was. It Was it in was it in Shandong? Was there one in Shandong also? Uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if there were multiple Mo- versions of this throughout China at this point. Probably. Because they're just doing so many different projects all over China. And basically, every variety of green energy that exists mm. is being probably done in mass several places, places over and over all over China. I just found um, the pictures. You know, when I saw those pictures, they, they just look so stunning to me mm. um, because I never thought that, oh, I thought anything electrical should stay away from water right (laughs) (laughs) you know you don't want your appliances um you know you don't want water to spill on them but i guess they have the technology to make sure and also i saw a video the other day um i think it's uh, one from the states where they were covering a a huge like a lake an entire lake with a gazillion number of black plastic yeah, balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in Los and Angeles because of the drought. Oh, really? You know Yo, what I'm yeah, talking they, about? They flooded like oh, millions yeah. of these black rubber balls or plastic balls into the water right. to prevent it from evaporating to help with uh, some of the drought problems they were having. I don't know if it was effective, but I remember when they initially started that project. I, yeah. I just saw that for some reason a few days ago. I mean, I was like, huh. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> it doesn't look pretty, first of all. Um, there used to be a lake. Now it's just like it's filled literally like a bathtub filled with, you know, plastic toys. Mm. Um, And I was like, you know, in the comments, people were like, huh, the fish underneath must be wondering why why the night is so long <laughs> when is it gonna be uh you know daytime again hmm. so maybe there are better ways of doing it 
And um, and also with when you see the pictures of all oh, these. Oh, I see what you're saying. Instead yeah. of covering the lake with black balls, they could cover it with other things. Uh, solar panels that could produce electricity. I see. Very clever. Yeah. yeah. And also just uh, the amount of plastic. I mean, it's yeah. it's not a pretty sight, mm. right? Mm. And the things that can get from the plastic to the water. Mm. And how would the fish survive? Because when I saw pictures of these floaters soling, uh, solar power plants, they don't they don't cover the entire area. It's just parts uh, of the lake. Mm-hmm. And also there, you know, there are tunnels in between so that they can get to these panels. They're very nicely lined up. Um, and I thought, OK, so part of the the power of these solar plants is they cover up the lake mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. I guess water would evaporate mm-hmm. a little slower. Mm-hmm. Nice same logic. And maybe the fish won't get so hot. <laughs> I'm not too sure. Um, but I think for people who are not familiar with these floating, you know, if you want to check it out, just uh, they're online. You can just search for them. I think they look gorgeous. I mean, I think that's a really good idea. And you know what I think, you know, just like space, I think that technology of this kind is something that does flow around the world. Mm. I think that even when nations are like having some kinds of disputes, generally scientific knowledge is something that uh, is, share, is shared across borders. You see like people in the United States coming to China to study, mm. people in China coming to Europe and United States, Australia and other places to study. I think like if, if there is a really good technology that's developed and working in China, then it probably will migrate to other places. Oh, because it's like, uh, you know, like Russian astronauts bringing back American astronauts. Yeah, yeah, you I saw that. About that. That was yeah. like two weeks ago. Yeah, that, or we, we, yeah, yeah, that was very sweet. That was very nice. Yeah. Seeing that kind of cooperation is inspiring. And this is... I think one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this today, mm. and this is something we've talked about before, is... It's important for people, you know, I'm an American, I'm living in China, you're a Chinese person who lived in America. Mm -hmm. It's important for people to cooperate on this kind of thing. Mm. Like the only way forward is together. And I think that's people to people exchanges, scientific exchanges, and like nations working together as partners to to combat these problems. That's the only way forward. Yeah. And also um, educating our kids. Yeah. So that they grow up knowing the impact and also at the very beginning you were talking about you know when you lived in california and people Mm -hmm. were talking about global warming Mm -hmm. now the thing is with climate change and and the uh impact from global warming you know people don't feel the impact equally across the across the globe right some parts of the world will feel uh the impact from uh, global warming much more severely than uh, other yeah, places. Yeah, if you're an island. Exactly. Or and yeah. then, you know, your home, the entire island might be gone. Mm. Well, let's say if you're living in the middle of the United States, nothing has changed for you, right? Climate wise. But it doesn't mean it's not happening. Just like um, the pandemic, right? Because people, you know, in China, there are people also talking about, oh, you know, the all the other countries, people are not going, uh, they don't have lockdowns or uh, people are just healing at home, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, Drink mm-hmm. a lot of water. Why can't we do the same? Well, it's the same logic because if we, we call it, if we let it open, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? If we um, just let the virus mm-hmm. run, most people will survive, but then it will impact um, a portion of the population. Not just impact, it will kill. 
Like I, I, exactly. I, I was having this argument with a friend recently and he was saying, mm-hmm. oh, we should just not do the zero. Co-. I was my my response was, I prefer my elders alive. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, if it's just your circle of friends are only young people. Right. And who are, mm-hmm. you know, the distant from their parents, maybe who don't don't have grandparents anymore, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. they are not the ones to worry about it. But they are, mm. and especially with a base population of over a billion people. There are a lot of old people, and there are a lot of uh, people with, they call it basic health problems, because for mm, them, mm, mm, the yeah. extra impact. Or vulnerable population. They are vulnerable, yes. So um, it's not that these things are not happening, right? It's not global warming. doesn't matter. Yeah, if you have asthma. Right. Yeah, no, it yeah, won't exactly. be good f- for me. I think I have some form of asthma. So it's the same logic, and uh, it, it takes um, effort from at least most of us, right? And especially the younger generation. Mm-hmm, so that's mm-hmm, why, you know, they think the mm-hmm, making the solar plant in the shape of a panda might catch the attention of young people. Well, I mean, I, I want to back up a little bit, too. You know, sure. it, the United States is one of the largest emitters of CO2. And mm. China is spending three times as much money on installing new technologies to slow down CO2 emissions in spite of having lower per capita emissions. Mm. Oftentimes I see like Western mainstream media pointing a finger at China. And I'm just, my thought as an American Mm -hmm. from California living in China is you guys should be spending more money. You guys (laughs) are one of the main culprits of this and it's the American lifestyle. If you're only spending 158 billion in 2021 on this problem and China's spending only almost 300 billion or then maybe the problem is you so i no offense to my american compatriots mm-hmm. you know i hope that all the best for all of my american friends brothers sisters mm-hmm. family members but i think the united states should reprioritize its investments and be spending more money on this problem instead of pointing fingers at us right i mean when it comes to new technology china benefits from the fact that for some of them, it came into the game late, mm-hmm. right? Let's say the high, uh, high-speed high rail train, right? Yeah, we had yeah. these green trains, slow, we call them slow trains now, but back then they were just trains, right? <laughs> we didn't think they were slow. Um, but now, you know, why? when we come into the game late, yeah, we yeah. just adopt the latest mm-hmm. technology, right? Because, you know, for example, for New York City to change is to upgrade its whole subway mm-hmm. system, that's like harder than starting things Absolutely. from scratch and just uh, buying the newest mm. trains. So I think um, that's part of it. And also in, in China, one of the benefit is we have um, more unified, uh, more, I guess, a unified way of, of conducting things, of doing bigger projects. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, it's yeah, so yeah. much harder to, to reach an agreement and put the money in place in the States, right? Let's mm-hmm, say mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're not just going to, you know, decide to build a solar plant in the desert. Um, they have to have enough business people to come together to make sure that it's profitable, mm. right? And um, and then they'll decide who to invest. Yeah, you're right. The complexity involved in getting any project off of the ground in the United States, it makes it burdensome to do any new projects. 
Um, not just because of like business people. I mean, you're absolutely right. Capitalism plays a huge role in like how they're going to invest money. Are we going to make a profit off of this? Or who's going right. to pay for this? Like, the, I think that's a really telling. I like to always think about the California High Speed Rail Project, which I mm. wrote a paper about in when I was in high school. That cool. was more than 20 years ago. It's still <laughs> not built. So, like, they're just little segments of it and stuff. It is insane what it takes to get something done in America. Is this still going on? They're trying to build it. I think the earliest that it will be finished, based on the projections that I read, is 2035. But the thing is, like, whatever they designed 10 years ago, are they still <laughs> suitable for, like, yeah, 2035? Right. Exactly, yeah. Maybe, because maybe maglev will be, in 2035, maybe China will have maglev, and the United States will still be trying to build, like, high-speed rail. Maybe the trains they ordered is, like, out of production already. <laughs> Seriously, it could be a problem. Yeah, but um, I, I was also looking online for, you know, articles about China's solar powered future because, mm. um, you know, who have for all people who have used coal before, um, you know, mm. that it's not the cleanest way of producing yeah. energy. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid in the because I lived in Wuhan, where you are now. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. at that time, most people, they didn't have uh, like air conditioning. So no mm. Uh, mm. heating system. And our own heating system was we would have a little uh, stove in mm. our apartment. And usually there's there would be a pipe that, mm -hmm. you know, would uh, direct the smoke or whatever, the poisonous mm -hmm. stuff out the window. And we, mm. would, we would use these, uh, we call them feng wo mei, which are coal. And you've probably seen those, like right? They're like round uh, patches of black coal with holes yeah, in yeah. it. We call mm -hmm. them, because there are holes in it, they look like beehives. Mm. So we call them feng wamei. And that's what every family used back then. And uh, I think maybe uh, in the wintertime, some families still, like in villages, uh, they probably use similar things. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my wife's grandmother in uh, a very small village mm -hmm. out, out in the countryside in Shandong, in fact, does still use coal. Yeah. Yeah, but the problem with that is, you know, once in a long while, you would hear about an accident oh, right, right, right. where yeah what is it carbon my monoxide carbon monoxide yeah yes poisoning correct. yeah so mm. and besides the the uh, apparent danger of that there's also the bad things that it you know emits into the air so it makes sense right to move away from that and um i mean solar energy seems to me and wind uh wind power mm -hmm. it's just so there's so much cleaner mm -hmm. right and all the desert all the sand and air is just sitting there <laughs> looking like, you know, dry patches of earth. Um, why not build these solar plants I mean, if, you know, they can make it work? And you're yeah. right. I mean, absolutely. And what's really interesting, I was watching a YouTube article, uh, or sorry, no, a video about this. They're actually starting to build much more efficient solar technology so they can hmm. actually so one solar plate or like the film on the top will absorb one band of light. So huh. what they're doing now is putting two or three in in like tandem mm -hmm. on top of each other and each band absorbs a different uh, frequency of light so mm. right now there's an inefficiency problem where it's only absorbing about 20 25 30 percent of the energy that is hitting the solar panel mm -hmm. but in just a few years like four or five years the same solar panel will be up to 40 or 50 percent efficiency and will be absorbing like half of all of the the, the light energy, the electromagnetic Ooh. radiation going into the plate, which means solar panels will become even better for the same amount of space that they are spread out. Wow. Over. 
you know, I'm just uh, I'm trying to envision how different the world would be, you know, in not too far in the future, five, ten years, mm. if, uh, as mm. you said, um, you know, we could absorb more energy from from just nature, space, right, and uh, transmute mm. that into energy we can use in daily lives, and by that time, probably coal or uh, just oil in general. They would be totally out of style. It's possible, right? It's up. It's possible. I mean, I, I think, I think, yeah. Increasingly, it's going to take a long time to phase out. I believe the Chinese central government's plan is to ha- be completely one hundred percent carbon neutral by twenty sixty. Mm. So even though these technologies are rolling out, it takes a long time to p- build them up, and mm-hmm. so it's going to be a process of slowly getting rid of all of this older technology and implement and building up new energy. This is going to be a process that's not just going to affect China. It's going to affect Mm -hmm. Canada, the United States, South Africa, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, all these places where they already have all of their energy infrastructure. They're going to have to rebuild their energy infrastructure slowly over a period of of decades. But, you know, I'm also very hopeful that maybe there will be meaningful change in the next 10 or 20 years. Mm -hmm. We'll be a much, much closer to that. And also, I'm just, uh, you know, as someone who who doesn't know much about science, I'm wondering, in the back of my mind, if we are much more efficient absorbing, absorbing energy from nature, and, uh, and then we start using that as our main source of energy, will the sun get cooler? Like we'll be, will we be absorbing too much heat from the system, from the universe? Seriously, I I don't think it works that way. No, <laughs> but you know what I would. What I I think the big question for me, I mean, that's an interesting. I uh, I think the sun's going to keep producing the same <laughs> amount of energy roughly yeah. for the next billion years. But I do I do think that the um we do eventually need to find ways to roll back the carbon emissions. So like one of the great things that China is doing that we've talked about in a different show Mm -hmm. is uh, afforestation. That means making new forests. Right. And there's reforestation, regrowing old forests. Mm. And by recarbon capturing all of the emissions that we've put into the air Mm -hmm. by creating new vegetation over the surface of the earth, maybe we can actually take back some of the the, uh, global warming a little bit in the future. Sucking the bad things from air, <laughs> taking them out from yeah. Well, trees are great at carbon mm-hmm. capturing. So if you can have a long-lived tree, all of its uh, you know biomass mm-hmm. is carbon that would otherwise be in the atmosphere. So this huge green what a green Great Wall, mm. right? That China is building, where they're planting like billions of trees mm. around the deserts in China to capture to slow down the the desert's growth. And to grow more, uh, India and China are doing this really well. They're the Mm. two leading countries on this. And I think China is number one. So I'm not trying to brag or anything, but this technology, trees, I I don't know why I use the Mm -hmm. word technology. (laughs) This idea of growing trees trees is like going to capture the carbon. They're literally holding the carbon in their body. Their body's made out of the carbon that would otherwise be in the atmosphere. You know, Jason, I feel like, Nature just kind of gave us a look and say, duh, <laughs> you spend decades looking for a solution. Yeah. Here I am. <laughs> just exactly. trees. Yes. Yeah. If we could and, grow and like also- two or three trillion more trees, which is insane. But we, I think we can as humanity, <laughs> if every nation in the world works together, we can mm. we can take some of the the poison that we right. put into the air mm-hmm. and put it where it's supposed to go into biomass. We'll all be like, um oxygen intoxicated 
at that time. That would be, I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. And also in this article I found, it's from um, Harvard University. Mm. It's talking about China's solar-powered future. Mm-hmm. It says, today, subsidy-free solar power has become cheaper than coal power mm. in most parts of China. So um, that's that's good news, that's right? The economics, yeah, yeah. And and this cost, it says, the cost of the cost competitive advantage will soon expand to the whole country due to technology advances and cost declines. And this is from a professor of, uh, from Tsinghua University. Mm. And it says our results demonstrate that the economic competitiveness of solar power, combined with investments in storage systems, could provide extra benefits for grid dispatch, mm. dispatch, which will be especially important for operation of future electric systems in China. Mm. I mean, the, the whole thing is much more complicated than just building the plant, yeah, right? Yeah. And then you need to store it and you need to be able to uh, make it cheap enough so that, you know, there will be a market for it. But from what this article is saying, it looks like, you know, that's the direction it's going. And it says the researchers first found that the physical potential of polar of solar PV, that's photovoltaic, yes. which includes how many solar panels can be installed and how much solar energy they can generate, in China reached 99.2 petawatt hours in 2020. Well, that's the first time I heard this. I've never, I've never heard of that either. (laughs) Okay, it says this is more than twice the country's total consumption of energy in all forms, and that makes more sense, including not only electricity but all also fuels consumed directly by vehicles, factories, building, heating, and more. So that sounds good. Mm -hmm. And the findings show solar PV is an enormous resource for China's decarbonization. Mm. They then demonstrated its cost competitiveness. So cost competitiveness with 78.6% of the potential in 2020 equal to or lower than current prices of local coal-fired power, a share to grow further. So this cost advantage means China can invest in storage capacity, such as batteries, and still cost-effectively supply 7.2 petawatt hours, or 43 to 43.2% of countries' electricity demand by 2060. I want to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about battery technology and, you know, Obviously, providing energy during the night and really, really cloudy, stormy days. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's actually way better technology than batteries. Batteries are really environmentally bad. I know. Because they have to be taken out of mountains. All of these precious minerals and very complicated elements have to be harvested and then processed and then used and then Mm -hmm. revamped again in the future. You know, there's actually a much simpler, easier way that already exists to store energy easily and that is huh. you have like if you have a lake you know right and you have another lake that's on a higher plateau like on a, over a hill mm-hmm. it doesn't even have to be that large then all you have to do is have electrical pumps that pump the water from the lower lake into the upper lake And that takes the energy out of the grid when you're, you know, in the middle of the sunny, super sunny, hot day. Mm -hmm. And then it's now the water's more water is stored in the lake up on the hill. Uh Then you have hydroelectric pumps that reabsorb 
the energy as the water flows downhill into the lake on the lower plateau mm-hmm. and use and that goes back into the power grid huh. at night. So all you basically need is two holes and some pumps and you you can store the energy without using any battery technology where you're using really, really toxic elements in, in a very complicated way. Okay, wait. So let me see if I understood you yeah, right. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, so let's say you have extra power, right? You need to store. Mm-hmm. So you, mm-hmm. you pump the water from the lower lake to the upper lake as yes. to exhaust the power. Right to yes. l- release the power. You're you you're using the energy to pump the water okay. uphill. And then when you need energy, you just let the water out, exactly. so that it's like a dam being activated. Exactly. So that power can be produced. Yes, and this exists. Huh. This technology exists, being used all over the world. Mm-hmm. A lot of people look though at like Tesla, and they're like, "Oh, what we need is more batteries." No, that's not necessary. That's not necessary. You could even you don't even need to use water. Hmm. You don't even need to use water that is drinkable. You could be using salt water that is like hmm. no one's going to consume. You just need to be moving the liquid uphill and then back downhill again. Well, how do you apply that in a car? So, okay, you have if do you we- have an EV. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's true. You're right. Yeah. So we okay. have like two water tanks. <laughs> well, there, there, there are also competing technologies about mm-hmm. that. So, so some people want to use different kinds of technology than batteries. They they can store energy as mm-hmm. water and then extract it. But I mean, that, but that all is, of those kind of technologies are still being. That built. is an interesting thought, though. But mm-hmm. it, it, it sounds so simple that it, it seems like a child's game. But it makes <laughs> it makes sense. Right. And you as yeah. you said, it's uh, it's actually being used in the world. Mm. Yes, it is. Right. Hmm. All right. Interesting. Well, you know, we're going to leave it to the scientists. Yeah. And I'm Let's sure leave it that- to them. <laughs> but I want to I want to <laughs> leave our listeners with hope mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, a little bit of better understanding about the kinds of technologies that might come to rescue us mm-hmm. before we pass the precipice. Or, you know, and also our, our children, because I really don't want to, yes. them to live uh, with piles of undecomposable garbage all around them. Um, Mm, And mm, as with, mm. you know, big projects like solar panels and all the other fancy things, little things we do in our daily lives um, also makes a a huge impact because there's so many of us. Mm. Like more and more um, supermarkets where I live, they're using these, um, um, like, I don't know the material they use, but they feel like cloth Mm, mm, uh, mm. for for their bags. And also there's another kind of new plastic. I really love these new oh, plastic bags. Oh, yeah, I like bags. those, too. They're very stretchy. You know what I'm talking yeah, about, right? Yeah, yeah. They're very stretchy, and they're soft. Mm. And they don't rip you know, it, it very it's... easily, either. Right. And I um, I actually I bought some of those uh, some plastic uh, garbage bags for the kitchen um, using these new material. And it says that it's 100% decomposable, and it's, uh, it's pricier than regular mm-hmm, plastic mm-hmm, bags. Mm-hmm. I, I think... That time, it was months ago, if it was not, probably last year sometime, I bought like 80, 80 quai worth of them. Mm. So that's a little over $10. And I'm still using from that batch. Mm. So, I mean, they last for a while. Mm-hmm. And you know how um, the plastic bags we normally use for um, the kitchen, like they always leak. Yeah. yeah. Right? These bags, they <laughs> always, always leak. leak. And it's nasty because then your garbage can gets smelly. Mm. And you have to rinse though. But ever since I used these new um, decomposable garbage mm-hmm. bags, they don't leak. Mm. 
they're, they're like yeah, so they are, sturdy. They're sturdy. I, I love them. <laughs> so now I consider them my like, you know, small, simple luxuries of uh, in daily mm-hmm. life. And they're I guess they're not I mean, that expensive. Right. Also, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I was going to point out what you just pointed out, like garbage bags that Mm -hmm. are made out of plastic that doesn't break down cost. Okay. Say if you're in America, you're paying like two or $3 for like your bags for the next three months, Mm -hmm. or you could spend, I don't know, $10 and buy like the ones that are decomposable. Mm -hmm. It's not a huge difference. I know that people are struggling, Mm -hmm. but that's not one of your, the expenditures that's costing you, right? you know, food, food is, you know, your electricity bill is your, 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 your housing is costing you. You could, most people can afford to spend a little bit more so that we're not throwing bags in the ocean that dolphins are going to choke on. Right. And also just, uh, if you haven't tried it, the, the texture, the feel of the plastic bag is actually enjoyable. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it's just, I, I, cause, because regular plastic bags, I have to say they are pretty ugly. Mm. You know, you could be wearing like Armani suits, but if you have a regular plastic bag in your hand, like your suits is like, <laughs> you know, you, you're not going to look good because the plastic bags don't look good. But these new ones I bought, they actually look quite cool. Mm. Like the feel of it is different. They they don't have wrinkles as much. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't wrinkle as much because they're so soft and stretchy. You know, there are a lot of technologies like what you're talking about. You know, there's you know how they uh, if you buy six cans and they come together, they used to have the plastic rings around the top. Mm. I don't know if they still do, actually. I think they come in cardboard boxes increasingly now. But there was a, a British uh, company that came out with these cardboard-like things that the cans could be stuck in. And mm-hmm. they'd be stuck in a six-pack configuration. Mm. But they were full of seeds and biomatter. Ooh. So that when if you toss them out, all they do is literally cause like plants to grow. Oh. So you could actually choose a fl- the kind of flower you like. Mm-hmm. And then buy your six-pack of whatever soda. I don't drink soda. But, you know, whatever people drink. And then you could throw it in your yard and you will, a patch of flowers will pop up. <laughs> That's so much fun. And if you are too lazy and you don't dump out your garbage uh, as frequently, maybe you'll have flowers coming out of your garbage can. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but I think that's so cute, though. And we can um, apply this uh, in many other ways. Mm. And for but, you know, when we first think of these things, like one of the first thoughts come to mind is that, oh, that's going to cost extra, Mm, mm. right? It sounds like it's one of those designer things and cool things that artistic people do. Um, But if we can get enough uh, quantity yes. to it, like the, if there's enough demand, mm-hmm. then the prices will go down. Yes. And it won't be one of those, you know, uh, things that co- only cool people do. We can all do it. You're absolutely right. You're, exactly. So obviously the people who are at the bottom 10 or 20% of the socioeconomic ladder, they're l- l- listening and they're thinking, I can't do that. But mm-hmm. if people in the middle class do it enough, you know, mm-hmm. millions of times, then yeah, it becomes cheap enough. everyone can do that because yeah. that'll just be the way it's done. I've known you for quite a while, baby. And I, mm. I feel like this is something that you genuinely get excited about when we do an episode about helping the environment. But plastic bags? And, <laughs> not just plastic bags, but the entire thing about uh, all, all everything to do with helping the environment. I can hear the excitement in your voice. I feel like... There are a lot of different aspects to this that we haven't covered that there are so many. I think this is something we need to come back around to. Yes, why not? In the future, definitely. Um, I think sometimes I get a little too weird (laughs) when it comes to, because, you know, 
if it's for a good purpose, mm, right? Mm. You know how in the States, when people get thirsty, they'll just go get mm-hmm. a bottle of water from the fridge, right? They'll buy like 36 bottles in a pack. Yeah. I don't do that. It's only when I'm like desperate, like when I can't find any other mm. source of water that I will resort to maybe the one bottle that I have at home, like from some occasion. Um, Because I think on this level, these are problems that we can solve, right? Mm. It's just mm, um, mm. a difference between two thoughts. I thought, ah, I'll just yeah. drink a bottle of water. And the other is, oh, maybe I'll get a cup, right? I, and and then just boil some water. I have so much I want to add to that, but we are out of time. Oh, again. Yes. Okay, we're going to say goodbye to Panda Solar Power Plants. <laughs> you guys can check it out. And, <laughs> yeah, and we'll look forward to talking with our listeners next time. Yes. All right. I'll see you guys. And bye, Jason. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye, baby. Bye-bye. <laughs>